0: Hello and welcome to the Leaders' Council podcast, the podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. You join us on another bright day here in the capital city as once again we put the topic of leadership under the spotlight. My name is Scott Challoner, and I'm delighted to be joined on today's programme by Lloyd Evans. Lloyd is the Director and Senior Editor at JLE Services, a company of freelance translators specialised in the English, Croatian, Serbian and Bosnian languages. Lloyd, very warm welcome to you and thank you ever so much for taking the time to join us today.
1: Thank you, it's a pleasure.
0: It's a real pleasure having you on as well. Now the purpose of this discussion Lloyd is to firstly understand your take on leadership as a whole and um, if we dive straight in by looking at that word leader just on its own for a second I'm interested to understand what that word actually means to you and how it resonates on the whole.
1: For me leadership is about taking responsibility, it's about not resting on your laurels. Uh, It's about clear, open communication with people, um, having reasonable expectations, but also being uh, ambitious. Uh, Those are all things that I try to do in running my business.
0: So would you say, um, in light of that, that your leadership style style tends to be quite collaborative and quite sort of inclusive as a result of that?
1: Well, it has to be, because um, I'm a sole trader. You mentioned about uh, translation. Uh, That's actually something that I did, I was involved in, but um, I've had to adapt over the years. Mm -hmm. And At the moment, I'm more of a writer and filmmaker. So uh, that involves lots of collaboration with different people and being uh, very flexible and, uh, and learning new skills, learning new fields of information. So that's part of what I've been about over the last few years.
0: And adaptability and flexibility are two very important elements, not just of leadership, but also in business, especially in the context of the here and now, where COVID-19 has essentially forced businesses to innovate and adapt, be flexible where they weren't before. Um, Have you found in your case, Lloyd, that you've had to sort of change your approach in any sort of way to meet the challenges of the pandemic or had you sort of adjusted enough beforehand? And it's been pretty much business as usual
1: i have ha- i have been hit by the pandemic, probably not in obvious ways um I run a youtube channel uh, John Seed, as it's called um I'm a former jehovah's witness and I provide uh resources for those who are who feel that they want to get out of that particular religion and One of the things that we've been talking about has been the pandemic, and YouTube uh, initially clamped down quite heavily with its monetization for channels dealing with COVID-19. I was also called upon by the inquiry into child sex abuse, the extra inquiry. Um, I I was called upon as a core participant for their hearings, into abuse in religious settings, but those hearings got postponed due to the pandemic mm. um, so that was a that was a big blow and it's one of those things where you you have to adapt you have to find uh, new ways of of cooperating Fortunately, the hearings have been postponed, so I'll be able to be involved at, at a later date but nonetheless it's been uh, an, an area in which flexibility has been called for.
0: Mm, Absolutely. And it's good, of course, that there is that on the horizon to give yourself something uh, to occupy the mind when we do sort of move out of the pandemic and towards the new normal that everybody's talking about. Um, And if we sort of address the new normal uh, just for a moment, what features of the lockdown period do you think might become permanent parts of the way that we operate and we do business in this country? I think
1: that the the pandemic has been a huge shock to society and it's made people realize how what's a prevalent threat pathogens are and i think that in future uh, we're going to have to learn to be less larvae about these issues i think social distancing in one form or other is here to stay uh, i think uh, companies will need to be need to learn to be far more um Flexible and not bank on a constant flow of business. Uh, so, yeah, I think that there are some elements of this pandemic that, uh, that will be the new normal and that it will be difficult for people to adapt
0: to. Mm. And do you think, especially pre pandemic, we took that human social interaction side of things for granted, especially in the context of uh, the workplace? Because we've now lost that and we're finding that we are missing it quite a lot. And ultimately, as human beings, we are social creatures, aren't we?
1: Oh, absolutely. And look, um, you you can't beat actually being in a room with someone when you're having a conversation, you're conveying ideas, and you're learning from each other. Nothing quite beats that that human interaction. So we have lost something, unfortunately, uh, in the way businesses from now on will have to operate on a more remote basis. Unfortunately, what we're going to have to do with the ICSA hearings um do them remotely. And I resent it, quite frankly, because I was looking forward to being in the room and being able to engage with people on a human on level. So, yeah, it, it's just one of those things, unfortunately. We can't control this, and, and COVID-19 isn't necessarily a blessing in disguise. It's just something that we're getting. Flexibility and leadership.
0: And what it has brought about as well, this uh, pandemic situation, is a renewed focus on issues such as mental health and well-being as well. And it's really highlighted the fact that people management within leadership in the context of businesses is incredibly important because... Obviously, some people will adapt better to changing working environments and circumstances, whether they've had to adapt to home working or whether they've had to continue working on site under new safety procedures, whereas other people might need a little bit more reassurance and a little bit more encouragement from those above them. Um, How important do you think that mental health is in leadership, both in terms of one's own mental health and that of one's colleagues as well?
1: It's absolutely crucial. Um, It's actually quite a big factor I think when you are a sole sole trader or a sole director like I am, you're working on your own an awful lot. Um, You need to be able to motivate yourself. There's pressure to keep working. There's pressure to, you know, put food on the table. And yet you're on your own and you're having to kind of summon vast reserves of of creativity. And um, this, I mean, obviously, there's lots of causes for depression, but. Certainly, it's something that I've had to grapple with, and uh, I think that uh, mental health isn't taken seriously enough, and I think that it's an area in which more resources need to be available, not just to businesses, but to individuals, Um, so that when something like a pandemic does come along, um, its victims aren't just Um, so to avoid situations where the pandemic claims lives, not just in the the victims of the pandemic itself but incidentally in the um, collateral damage through mental health.
0: And you mentioned as well there that being a sole trader there's a great deal of pressure to keep working. Um, When of course you're in the thick of it how easy do you find it to sort of switch off at the end of the day?
1: Uh, I've had to learn to be... Very flexible with my own working hours and ride the wave of creativity when it comes. It's a little bit different when you're doing creative work like filmmaking as opposed to I don't know bookkeeping or mm. or bricklaying. When you're doing those sorts of jobs, it's a very kind of mechanical process. Whereas when you're when you're writing and you're creating, you know, uh, creating things, a, I think there's a different uh, process to it. So I've had to learn to ride the wave of creativity I fund and um, give myself uh time to be uh, when that wave isn't there because if you force it, if you if you force yourself to work far so it can be
0: quite optimal. And if we think about continuing to ride that sort of wave of creativity in the future over the next 12 to 18 months, what is next for yourself and for JLE services and what do you hope to achieve as we move through the pandemic and embrace the challenges of the new normal?
1: So I'm due to give remote evidence to ICSA, uh in August, so that's one of the biggest things coming up on my calendar. I'm also involved in uh, a documentary film called The Truth About The Truth, which is dealing with areas of abuse inside the Jehovah's Witness religion. So uh we've got a lot of production work to do on that. Um so I've I've definitely got my plate full. Um it's just a case of kind of seeing where things go. I'm fairly limited with, you know, the restrictions on travel and that kind of thing. But it's just a case of again being as flexible as possible, trying not to take things too personally, um and also counting your blessings because uh, even though it is very inconvenient having to work with this is in various ways. Still in, at, at least I still have my life and my health. But
0: that will be set for everyone. I have to say, Lloyd, it's been a real pleasure having you join us on the uh, the programme uh, this afternoon. Um, we're just about out of time, which is a shame. Um, otherwise, I'm sure we could discuss. Your plans for the future long into the evening. Um, but considering how insightful it's been having you join us, I actually think it would be fantastic for the listeners in particular if we could have you back on the programme um, at some point in the next year, just to catch up on how things are uh, getting on in regards to um, the professional side of things that you're uh, dealing with, and also assess just exactly what has changed in the time between alongside of that as well.
1: That would be delightful. Thank you.
0: It would be a real pleasure for myself as well, Lloyd, just as it's been having you join us today. Um, Until we do speak again in future, which I'm sure um, is a certainty, um, do take care and do stay safe with all still going on in the world at the moment. Because even though we are seeing some things begin to return to some normality, we know that we're certainly not out of the woods with this one yet.
1: Agreed. I'll do my very best to keep breathing.
0: That was Lloyd Evans speaking, Director and Senior Editor of JLE Services. Coming up next on the programme today, I'll be handing over to... Jonathan White for his exclusive interview with England's 1966 football World Cup hero, Sir Geoff Hurst. During his professional career, Sir Geoff scored over 200 league goals for the likes of West Ham, United and Stoke City. But most notably, he remains the only man to this day to have scored a hat-trick in the final of a World Cup competition after his treble in England's 4-2 victory over West Germany at the Old Wembley Stadium, 50 four long years ago now. And I hope that you enjoy listening just as much as Jonathan relished the opportunity to speak with Sir Jeff. That is coming up next.
2: Uh, We're now joined, uh, though, by former England footballer and still the only man to score a hat-trick in a World Cup final, Sir Jeff Hurst. Uh, Thank you very much for coming on today.
3: uh, You're welcome. You're welcome. Good afternoon.
2: Absolutely, and in those early days um at west Ham uh, with with a manager like, like uh, ron uh, there, it's also important to have uh uh confidence with your other players and of course they become your friends. Who did you look at to at the time uh when to inspire confidence in yourself was it more was it Peters
3: I think probably well, I was very fortunate to play with the talent of the players I did. they were people that else didn't think wanted to be part of a group um, so that, that's, that's for me in terms of my personal view I think that it looked prior to the um, World Cup that I was going to be playing um, any, only a few games before I was, I was playing and I played with Jimmy Gris in the game against Yugoslavia only a couple of months before the final and it looked at that stage as if I was going to be, be playing in, in the team but uh, in a couple of friendly games more friendly games before the final in Poland and uh, uh, Norway I think in Denmark mm. I didn't I played two of the four games and I probably didn't quite replicate my my form that I'd been showing at West Ham and in the early couple of games for England and he, he left me out in the first game of, of the World Cup against uh, Uruguay he started off with Jimmy Green and Roger so mm. I, I had an impact of thinking I, at that stage I, like I was going to play and didn't start because of just a lack of form. I didn't play quite well enough to justify my position. And somewhat fortuitously, I only got back into the team because of a, a nasty gash just shined, um on Jimmy Glees' leg.
2: And I think what you've said there, uh, Jeff, actually does sum that up really well. And more than that, whilst it's important to have that someone in charge with those quantities, it's almost useless if there isn't a strong and unified team behind them. And there really must have been moments, maybe there weren't, but uh, let us know, in that 66 competition, the prolonged pressure on all of you, you know, the weight of a nation, did it get to you?
3: Well, not for me personally, no. I, I think, and I don't, uh, not for me, not for a second. I think
2: mm.
3: I was just happy to be, and I'd be involved in the squad initially, uh, not at all. I didn't. You're not aware of the magnitude of the occasion, really. Looking back at Al, mm. Al. so I never really felt. People talk about pressure a lot, and it's there. And people, players talk about people talk about it in life. I didn't really feel necessary feel any great pressure pressure during the time I was there. And what is also important to say about Al Ramsey, the people he, he left behind that, that were left in the squad after he'd moved one or two players out. The squad were uh, a a bunch of very hard nosed professional, uh, top quality people. And that was again the leadership that Al showed. He he got people in together that were very, very strong personally. Um, uh, And I think that was part of the success we had. We were very, I always describe our our group as hard nosed professionals. Uh, We had some great players, but overall they were great, hard nosed professional players. Um, and great quality people who we've kept in contact with, you know, over the years.
2: And Jeff, I've got to ask, and I'm I'm not making this up, I've genuinely heard that people do ask you whether or not you realised there were people on the pitch at that moment. I imagine you were busy on something else.
3: Well, I I did some theatre shows last year. They've gone fairly well, and we're going to do a series of uh, theatre shows. In fact, starting this week. Over the next uh, two or three months, and uh, at the end of the theatre shows, we have about twenty minutes where we uh, uh, allow the people in the audience to ask questions. And there's—I won't mention both. But they're too long to talk about both questions. Um, one, the other one's a really stupid one. It's too long for me to tell you. It's absolutely ridiculous. Okay. But the, the the other ridiculous question I get asked: Did I realise there were people on the pitch?
2: uh, well, you want me. I, I can tell you true. if you want. you
3: want. you got time. I can tell I you if you want.
2: Jeff, go on. Go. On. I think I'd be, it would be silly if I said no at this point. Okay. So I was uh, doing it at a dinner in,
3: in the Channel Islands, three or four hundred people, black tie dinner, uh, guest honour. Mm-hmm. And this occasion, I was speaking for about 20 minutes, then allowing uh, questions from the audience at the end of the evening. And there was, there was a football questions. And then all of a sudden, I had a, somebody at the back who But without the attitude alongside that, going back to an earlier question, you we wouldn't have been as ultimately, ultimately as successful.
2: Exactly. Without that, you could, the 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 whole will never be greater than the sum of its parts. But with it, yes. The word, the, word the
3: word is team. The word is team. Absolutely. And I always use the word team when I talk. Sometimes you know, together, everyone achieves more, and that that's the same in any walk of life. That, that's fundamental.
2: And uh, lastly. Uh,